Hello fellow creepsters. This is Chandra from South Dakota. Do you know what time it is? It's Sinister Sightings time. So let's gather around and listen to some spooky stories told by my favorite ladies, Donna and Carrie from A Paranormal Chicks. Carrie and we are a paranormal chick. Sinister sightings 65. And you just heard Chandra. Thank you for saying we're your favorite people. I mean, ditto. I mean, we're our favorite. No, no, I'm kidding. No, 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 like, I'm, kidding. No, no, no I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. If you want to introduce an episode, head on over to patreon.com slash the APC podcast. All right, jumping right in. Hey y'all, my name is Miranda. You can use my name. Everyone already knows I'm a spooky bitch. (laughs) And I have a little story about a past life and a guardian angel. This is all for my mom since I was too young to remember any of this. When I was really young, like four or five, I would tell my mom some pretty weird things. We would be watching a Nat Geo show about someplace in Europe or something, a place I have never been. Even to this day at 22 years old, I have never been very far away from Pennsylvania. When my mom would tell me I'd never been there, I would simply say that I was with my other mother. My mom strongly believes that my other mother is still with me, acting as my guardian angel. Despite the creepy name, I was never afraid of my other mother. She never hurt me. However, she has hurt my mother. My mom is the type of person to spank her kids when they are bad. So, of course, I was a very bad child and would get spanked a lot. My other mother did not like that and would hurt my mom. She would hit or be pushed whenever she spanked me. The last and most notable incident, she was pushed down the stairs and hurt her ankle. She might have broken it, but I can't remember right now. Oh my gosh. While she was at the bottom of the stairs, she had yelled, You had her first. You know what I'm dealing with. And the activity stopped. So I guess I'm a handful in all of my lives. Oh my gosh. She and I both believe that my other mother is still around, even if she isn't as active as she used to be. I think she's protecting me from other spirits. There have been multiple times where spooky things have happened around me, like doors closing on their own, and I was not looking, but everyone else in the room would see it happen. I'm planning on getting a tarot card reading from a medium friend of mine, so maybe my other mother will have something to say to me. Who knows? I'll make sure to keep you guys updated if something spooky happens. Love you all. Stay spooky and don't get scared. Miranda. Oh, my goodness. Um, We need to know if there's an update. I love past live stuff like that. Like when four-year-olds say spooky shit. Hello, ladies. I just discovered your podcast a few days ago and have been listening pretty much nonstop. I started out listening to the most recent episodes. Then I decided to play catch up and start with your first episode. Oh, boy. (laughs) (laughs) I was listening to episode three, Walls and Dolls, yesterday while hand-washing dishes. You started talking about the seance, and the girls heard knocking, thinking it was their deceased mother. Right after you said they heard knocking, a glass cup that I had just sat on the drying towel exploded. Holy shit. This has never, ever happened before. I know the knocking in the story ends up being the creepy dude, Daniel LaPlante, But I was still really creeped out by the glass exploding. 
It didn't just break. It exploded. Pieces of glass were across the entire kitchen. We have had several paranormal experiences in this home over the years, and the activity just comes and goes. If y'all are interested in some of the experiences, I would gladly share them. Sometimes I'm a little cautious about what I watch on TV or, in this case, listen to out loud because I have this gut feeling that when I have paranormal stuff playing out loud, the activity in real life in my home seems to pick up. I'm very familiar with doing the things to keep myself and home safe from quote-unquote energy like y'all explained in the Shadow People episode, like verbally telling things to leave us alone in the name of Jesus. I have to do that often. Anyway, love the podcast and so happy I found y'all. Ashley H. So something similar but not similar has happened to me before at my parents' house. It was like midnight and I was sitting in the living room and they have like these tempered glass, or they had this tempered glass cutting board that you could like put it kind of doubled as a trivet and a cutting board so I guess from just like all the knife cuts on it and stuff I don't know it just I just heard and like it blew up and it was like midnight that was I was the only one there and it scared the fuck out of me oh my god so I'm wondering if it just was like maybe the heat from the water and then the cold of the air and maybe you know you just sometimes it just takes that one little change to make it explode Okay, the next one. Hey, y'all. I am so excited to have found y'all's podcast, and I have been trying so hard to get caught up, but I decided to send you a Sinister Sightings from a few years ago. So here we go. My parents had been out of town, and I had stopped to check on things one evening. While we were there, my son, Wyatt, who was less than two, had left his security blanket, his slip. After a night of less sleep than I had wanted... I went to run by my mama's and grabbed that beloved blanket before taking him to the babysitter that morning. I'd left the van door open when I'd gone in. When I walked in the door, I immediately felt the hair raise on the back of my neck. This was odd because this was the house I had grown up in. I looked out the door and I see Wyatt is laughing and waving, but he's not looking at the door. At me, he was looking to the porch. I searched and finally found that dang blanket and was trying to get out of the house because I was creeped out the whole time I was in there. Seeing Wyatt through the door, he's still just smiling and waving and laughing at something. As I walk out the door, I was about to ask who he was looking at when I hear, What are you doing? It was a husky woman's voice and I looked to the left and I saw an older woman in dated clothes rocking in the rocking chair. Holy shit. I leapt off the porch and jumped into the van and flew to the top of the driveway where I had to stop and close the back of the van door where Wyatt was. Don't judge me. (laughs) As I go to shut the door, I look back down towards the house and the rocking chair was still rocking, but it was empty. Oh my gosh. I was still shook up when I got to the babysitter's house and told her what just happened. When mama and daddy got back home a few days later, I went and told her what happened. She told me to hold on a minute after I described the woman. She comes back with a picture and the woman had the same floor sack dress on and it was her. My mama then tells me it was my daddy's mama. I had never met her. She had died years before I was born in the house I grew up in. Really? Then Mama tells me that she wouldn't have hurt me. I told her she scared me. I didn't give her a chance to hurt me. Then she proceeds to tell me that the slip Wyatt carried around was actually Granny Curtis's house jacket. 
Oh my gosh. I still have it. Within a few weeks after that happened, I was at my little grooming shop and was standing at the door waiting on a client. A truck pulled through the parking lot and an old man smiled and waved at me. Heather, the girl that worked with me, asked who I was waving at. I told her, that old man. She asked, what old man? I pointed to the truck in the parking lot. She tells me all she sees is dust and no truck. There's the hair raising on my neck again. Oh my gosh. But I think she's being a jerk and I told her to shut up. Later that evening, Heather starts telling my mama about me waving at people that ain't there. I tell her I saw an old man in a blue truck. Mama looks at me and asks if it was an old blue Chevy. I can't remember the whole details, but Mama pretty much described it to a T. When I tell her, yeah, that was it, how'd you know? She tells me that was my grandpa who passed five years to the day before I was born. And I'm actually named after him. Whoa. And again, she tells me he wouldn't have hurt me. Well, thanks, Mama, because I didn't think I was being haunted. Well, thank y'all for taking the time to read my sinister sightings. I hope they are the last ones. I love to hear y'all laugh. Creep it real and don't get scared. Christy C. Wow. Well, your grandparents love you. I mean, God, you got all the people coming to see you and stuff. That's awesome. And I do not judge you, girl, because I would have been like, hold on to your car seat, son, because uh, we got to go. I mean, he's strapped in. He's not going anywhere. <laughs> I hope those are your last ones, too, but if they're not, send them in to us, girl. This one's titled, Coincidence? Question mark. This story is long, so I will try my best to shorten it. At the age of 14, I had my very first boyfriend, but he liked one of my best friends. Long story short, they started going out, and I was devastated. Which is hilarious, because we were teens, and let's be real, those teen relationships go nowhere. The week my ex and friends started dating, I had a night terror that my ex had died in a car accident. I woke up all sweaty and crying, looking over at my clock on my desk, and it was 3 a.m. on the dot. In the dream, I could see a white car, but nothing else. Not sure why I thought it was my ex who had died in the wreck because I never saw him in the dream. I just felt it was him. The dream stayed on my mind all day. I chalked the dream up to just being upset that my friend and ex had started going out, so I didn't think much of it until the very next day. My cousin, her best friend, and my cousin's best friend's sister and their mother got killed in a car accident after school. At the time, I was in middle school and would have been picked up by a friend's dad. We drove by the accident, which had a very ominous feeling, and at the time, I didn't know it was my cousin in the car. I looked back from the van's back seat and saw a white car practically wrapped around a power pole. I had found out about the passing of my cousin and her best friend and family while I was shaving my legs in our bathtub. White shaving cream all over my legs. The car all four of them passed in was never white. It was blue. If I had seen the blue car looking back from the seat of the van, I would have known it was the same car their mom used to pick me up in when I didn't have a ride home from school. Why did I see a white car? I always ask myself this. It was very sad losing all four of them in a very tragic way. The very first dream I had of my cousin after she passed was her picking flowers on large hills, so it brings me comfort knowing that she's in a better place. The driver who caused the accident was another student at the high school my cousin attended. He got 15 years for each person that he killed that day. 
Thank you very much for reading my strange coincidence story. As always, you two are appreciated. Christina from California. I didn't miss you saying he was drunk or anything, did I? No, uh-uh. Yeah, I don't... So why did he get sentenced? I, I mean, clearly he was doing something wrong if he got sentenced 15 years for each person. Mm-hmm. But I wonder what. Let us know. Okay, the next one. When I was 17, I got pregnant. When I was around four months along, I was sleeping on the couch. I was drifting off, and I hear the front door open and close. Freaked me out because I knew I checked the door so many times before feeling okay to sleep. We lived in a bad part of Minneapolis where the crime was high. I was laying kind of half on my side, kind of on my stomach. I turned my head slowly, hoping the intruder wouldn't notice. I saw a figure. It was so dark with the exception of the moonlight. I was so scared, I closed my eyes real tight and just prayed they would take what they wanted and leave without incident. I feel a hand on my back, and really close to my ear, someone whispers, Everything is going to be alright. In a super soothing voice. I thought I was going to be raped or taken, but weirdly calm. The warmth from where I felt the hand spread throughout my body, and the pressure of the hand disappeared. I don't know why, but my instinct told me to sit up. I did, and frantically looked around, but there was no one. The door was locked. Everyone in the house was asleep. My pregnancy was great. My daughter was healthy. No complications with the birth. The only issue was no dad in the picture, but we did just fine without one. Could have been my mind coming to grips with my predicament, but I really don't think I would choose to scare the shit out of myself to do it (laughs) so i'm convinced it was my angel letting me know it wasn't going to be as bad as i thought jamie from minneapolis minnesota wow i mean could it have been white light and butterflies or something a little bit right you know sweeter softer i gotta be creepy (laughs) glad everything turned out well absolutely Hey, lovelies. Okay, so here's a crazy story of a sleepwalker. This was about 12 years ago, and to this day, it still leaves me shaking my head. And here's a note. We will give them names since it involves minors. 12 years ago, my son was 14, 15, and had a huge group of friends. There was one boy that he was friends with that we will call London. He was 14 and already 6'4 and weighed a good 230 pounds. He did not have a great home life, so he spent a lot of his time with his best friend's family. Nights, weekends, holidays, anytime he was not at school. His best friend, we will call him Carl. London was known to sleepwalk often. Nothing major, just normal sleepwalking. Until one night. Not only was London a big kid, he was a huge scaredy cat. He would watch scary movies with cotton in his ears and hands over his eyes. He was a very sensitive and gentle person, so we were all floored and speechless when one night things took a turn for the worse. In fact, he had been at my home two nights before, and we were watching scary movies. London stood in my kitchen, hiding his eyes at all the scary parts. Carl was asleep in his room, his parents in theirs, his sister in hers, and London was sleeping on the couch. Sometime around 3 a.m. that night, London started sleepwalking. He walked into Carl's room and grabbed a fillet knife. (gasps) 
Side note, this is the sticks. All the kids fished in the neighbor's ponds, collected knives, hunted, etc. So it was normal to have a fillet knife just laying around. London walked to Carl's bed and used the fillet knife to slit Carl's throat. Oh my god. Carl woke up, of course, and made his way to the bathroom. While Carl ran to the bathroom, London walked out of the house, still sleeping. Carl started screaming in the bathroom and woke up his family. By this time, London was nowhere to be found. Carl's mom called 911 and a search was on for London. It was wintertime and very cold. London had left the house in his boxers and nothing else barefoot. Carl was careflighted to Dallas in critical condition. Police searched for London for eight hours with no luck. They searched everywhere. In the meantime, Carl was in surgery for his wounds. Around noon, London walked into the police station covered in Carl's blood, barefoot still in just his boxers. The bottoms of his feet were literally raw from him walking in fields, woods, and wherever else he had been. He couldn't remember where he had gone or been. Still to this day, he does not remember. London was arrested and placed in jail. Carl came out of surgery and survived. Since London was a minor, he was held in the Juvenile Delinquent Center, and once he was told what he did, he was kept under suicide watch. He was inconsolable for what he did to his best friend. The entire time all of this was going on, Carl and his family were so concerned with London and what was going to happen with him. Carl's parents visited London constantly to make sure he was okay. Of course, Carl wanted to see him, but the DA had a restraining order place so he could not see or talk to London. At the beginning, the police and DA refused to believe the whole sleepwalking story. The police spoke with everyone associated with both boys, all the while trying to get someone to turn on London and make him out to be a horrible person. I could not have been more proud of this group of kids that had grown up together. They stood beside Carl and London. They all sent cards to London and let him know that they were still his friends and that they did not hold him responsible for what happened. Honestly, I have never seen a DA and a police department so hell-bent on throwing the book at a kid as they did with London. The more the kids stood up and defended London, the more pissed law enforcement got. The DA wanted to charge London as an adult and give him 15 years. Carl's family was furious. They lodged a campaign against the DA to keep him in juvenile court and not let this follow London for the rest of his life. While in the JDC, London saw multiple doctors who administered tons of tests and finally diagnosed him officially with sleepwalking. I don't remember the exact diagnosis and I cannot find it since he was a minor. Between the doctors and Carl and his family, the DA had to retract their 15-year offer and trial London in juvenile court. In the end, London was sentenced to three years in juvenile boot camp and homeschool. The school actually barred him from coming back to school to finish his senior year with his childhood friends. Carl and London remained best friends. Carl did not have any lasting effects from the attack. In fact, You can barely see the scar, even though the wound opened his neck up and you could fit a small fist in, according to the ER doctors. London went on to college and is living a normal life and just takes medicine for a sleepwalking. He has not had any other issues of violence at all except this one instance. 
Sorry this was so long, just thought I would tell you of an extreme case of sleepwalking. Creep it real, XOXO, Kristen. Whoa! I thought it was going to be a funny story, and no. Took a turn. That is just, like, shit. You know, you hear these stories of people who, like, commit these murders and stuff, like, on Ambien or some other sleep aid, and it's, like, so crazy. Like, how do you prove it, you know? Yeah. But I'm so glad for that child's sake that he was able to move on. Yes, and I'm glad Carl survived, and I'm glad that... Like, they knew he slept walk, sleepwalked, whatever. Something. Yeah. So that was a thing. Like, people mm-hmm. knew it, and they knew he was a gentle person. So it was like, no, this was like a... Random thing. Rando thing. And you can so tell your mom when you're like, I'm so proud of these, like, mm-hmm. kids sticking together. Because, I mean, it is. Like, that's what you see in the movies, and you're like... Like, that's what you want to see, like, the group of people sticking together or whatever. But, like, you can just tell you're a mom like that. I love it. Okay, this one is called Back from China. When I was a baby, my family moved into a new house on a quiet street in a neighborhood. We only had a couple of neighbors, one of them being a middle-aged retired couple whose kids were all grown and moved out. They traveled a lot. In the late 90s, when I was just a few years old, they took a vacation to China for one of their major anniversaries. The husband fell ill while there and actually passed away while they were in China. The wife later remarried and her new husband moved into her house on our street. They also traveled frequently and would often ask me and my siblings to get their mail, water their plants, and take care of their cat while they were gone. Sometimes they'd just be at the lake for the weekend. Other times they'd be gone for months in Florida for the winter. They lived in a pretty big house, especially for just two people, and it was pushed back on the street into the woods. Ever since I was a kid, I'd be scared to go into the house myself and would beg my mom to go over with me when it was my day to collect the mail. The house just gave me a vibe. Over the years, my siblings stopped taking care of the neighbor's house when they were gone as they graduated from high school and moved away for college and just lost interest in helping out. So in my late teen years, I ended up being the only one to go over there. One winter, probably in 2011, when I was around 17, I watched the house for three to four months over winter. When they were gone on longer stints like this, the wife's son, who lived in town, would come over once a week to sort the mail I had collected and forward the important stuff to them in Florida. He only came over on Fridays. That winter, I started noticing some weird things happening in the house and felt more uncomfortable there than normal. There were frequent times where I would walk into the house and hear static coming from the TV. It would be turned on but not set to a channel. Like it was set to HDMI 2 or something, and you could hear the fact that it was on. I'd turn it off and go about my day, but it kept randomly being turned on over the course of the months I was sitting in the house. When I took the mail over, I would just lay it on the island in the kitchen, and her son would later sort it and move it to the kitchen table. There were a couple of times where I would go over, and the piles I had created on the island were moved in a different way than I had originally put them. Like, if I set them to the left side of the counter, I'd go over and they'd be on the right side. Now, they did have a cat, but she was old as hell and I had never seen her jump on the counters before. And if she would have jumped up and moved them, they'd be more scattered, not cleanly moved piles. 
My parents and I were also woken up a couple of nights that winter by police sirens. The neighbor's alarm system had kept malfunctioning in the night and the police would be sent. The first time they originally thought someone had tried to break in, but there was no signs of entry or attempted entry. There weren't even any tire marks or footprints aside from my own and a very routine path in the snow around their house. The strangest thing that happened while I was there was that one day I walked in and I saw a briefcase sitting on the kitchen table. It hadn't been there before. I panicked and ran home to tell my mom that someone had been in the house. She called the neighbor who called her son to see if he had been there and he hadn't. They called the security system to see the last time someone had turned off slash reset the alarm and no one else had been there between the last time I was there and when I walked in and saw the briefcase. My neighbor's son came over as soon as he could and looked around the house to see if he noticed anything out of the ordinary. When he came in, he was shocked. The briefcase that I saw on the table belonged to his late father. No one had seen it in years since he passed, and they had no idea where it could have come from. The family brushed it off and justified the weird happenings as him just finally making his way back from China. I continued to watch their house for them for a couple more years until I moved away. Nothing spooky happened there again, but I was always still uncomfortable being there. Uh-uh. Whoa. Like, where'd that briefcase come from? Right? What was in the briefcase? Right. Was there money? That's always my thought. I'm like, hmm, what was there? Hey, ladies. First off, I just want to say that I absolutely love y'all, and I'm so glad I found this podcast. My husband always says, are you listening to your besties again? And, <laughs> and I tell him, yep. I have many different stories that I could submit and eventually will, but I want to tell you about one in particular. Growing up, I had a friend named Jessica. We were really close. My family didn't really like her because she always gave off this vibe of not being all quote unquote there, meaning crazy. Well, we had our ups and downs in our friendship, like most kids do. I remember once in fifth or sixth grade, we were not friends at the moment, and she kept bothering me and picking at me, and I finally had enough, and we got into a fist fight. After that, I kind of distanced myself from her, but later became friends again, just not as close. The older I got, the more I realized something was wrong with her. She would talk to herself a lot, but it was more like she was carrying on a conversation with someone that we just couldn't see. It was always very serious and very in-depth. She would freak out over anything and everything. She would go up to random people and tell them that they were talking about her and start to try and fight them. There was this one time she literally laid down in the middle of the school hall and started jumping around saying, the devil is inside of me. He wants to be let out. I wound up getting pregnant at 15 with my oldest daughter. And when I found out I was pregnant, I distanced myself from her due to safety reasons. I just couldn't trust her to not hurt my unborn child or myself. One day I was riding with my mother and we passed close to where Jessica lived. We saw police cars and ambulances. I remember telling my mother that I had a bad feeling and felt I just knew that it was someone I knew that was involved. Later that day, we found out what happened. Jessica went into her grandmother's house and stabbed her with a steak knife. (gasps) Jessica was only 15 years old and her grandmother was in her mid-70s. 
It was a punch in the stomach. Her grandmother was the sweetest woman and never said a cross word to anyone. There are several rumors as to why Jessica did what she did, but it basically comes down to Jessica wanted to do something when she wanted to do it and didn't want to follow her grandmother's rules. From what I have read, she tried to recruit several kids to help her. Kids that were around the ages of 11 and 12. Oh my God. There was also a 12-year-old boy who did assist her in the murder, but we were never told his name, obvious, because he's so young. He was sentenced to the juvenile equivalent of life in prison. Jessica got life in prison with the possibility of parole due to her age at the time of the crime. It later came out that there were a lot of problems in her home life growing up. She was adopted at the age of 19 months. Her mother then got pregnant with twin boys soon after. From what has been said, the mother showed more affection and attention to the boys and didn't really give the same to Jessica. When Jessica was around five years old, her adopted father started to molest her (gasps) and eventually turned to raping her regularly. When her mother and father split, she started staying with her mother and grandmother full time. She was obviously having mental health issues, but nothing was ever done to help her. Her father was never arrested for what he did due to lack of evidence. Of course. It really makes me think, what if? What if she would have got the help she needed? What if she would have been protected from her abusive father? There's so many what ifs. Also, forgot to say this before, damn ADHD, but Jessica has a beautiful singing voice. Our favorite movie was Selena, and she could belt out the songs and would sound just like Selena. Anything for Selena's. <laughs> I think she could have had a lot of potential if so many hadn't let her down. I don't condone what she did at all, but again, what if? I know this story is all crazy and probably poorly wrote, again, damn ADHD, <laughs> but if you have any questions or anything, let me know. Thank you, ladies, for all you do and keep up the fantastic work. Love to Nay, a.k.a. Nene from Oklahoma. Dang. Whoa, that was a lot to unpack. What about that's two stories of minors with knivings? That's not a word, (laughs) but you get the point. Yes. Oh, my God. And, like, rando knives. Like, But also, I'm loving all these true crime stories. Yeah. Whew. And I'm glad you did distance yourself. Like, you trusted your gut, mm-hmm. and it was right. God, poor thing. There was so much mental health stuff going on there. I know. Like, looking back at on my family, on kids in school, on different things, it's just like, God, if I knew what, if I knew then what I know now, or even just like, if we were socially where we are now oh yeah. you know it would have been so different mm-hmm. i think it goes like with kids they are either way more tolerant of people who are different or they're like the opposite end of the spectrum and like fucking bullies you know yeah okay one more thing before we end this episode we have an update from emily on a past life story that she shared before Hello, ladies. I wrote in a while back about my son saying he was in the sky waiting for me to be ready for him. Well, he updated me a bit yesterday. He was telling me that when he was in heaven, he forgot what it was called and called it Candyland. (laughs) 
His description of this place was it was filled with candy. But the thing is, he said you couldn't eat the candy, and if you licked it, you had to put your name on it. Well, I'll put my name all over the candy then. Mm-hmm. Also, you don't have your real name. They only give you a candy name. He told me his name was Sucker AJ, that's his middle name now, Candy Cane. He asked me to tell y'all this story. He is quite the storyteller. I will make sure to record his story next time he starts up. Love y'all. Oh my God. Okay, so that was like Willy Wonka mixed with heaven. Yeah, well, I mean, Willy, Willy Wonka, Wonka is, is my heaven. heaven. <laughs> <laughs> I think we had a question in maybe the Creepinati, like, what would you want to taste from Willy Wonka or whatever? It was, um, aside from Scooby Snacks and something else, what, like, fictional food did you always want to eat? And, like, of course, mine was, like, everything in Willy Wonka. Seriously, everything. The other really good answer was the chocolate cake from Matilda. I never watched that movie. Well, if you did, you would want that chocolate cake. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Well, y'all, again, freaking awesome. Yes. Thank y'all for sending in all of these amazing stories, the spooky and the true crime. Keep them freaking coming. Send them in to us, aparanormalchicks at gmail.com. And remember, creep it real and, and don't, don't get scared. scared.